2: Who was I oh, went without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Oh I
3: say, it's amazing.
0: He it does it tame and tame and tame again. Break up the music! Charger Glass! This nation is going to dance
2: all night! Paul Hollywood, born and bred, Peter Walton's dystopian technopunk future for football, Rolls Royce's at the cricket, Basement Boys England in their Nations League relegation dogfight. What's the going rate for a statement of intent? And what makes a returning player feel like a new signing? Plus, transfer raids, Premier League players you can most vividly picture dragging a shot wide from 20 yards, and a journey into the very heart and soul of soccer aid. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 168 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me reunited is Charlie Eccleshare and David Walker. How are you both?
3: Very well. How are you? Good. You've gone for the double how are mm. you
2: there. A rare situation where I didn't yeah. have anything next to your names in the running order to ask you. But, you know, nothing topical. Didn't want to ask you how your holidays were or anything like that. So let's just launch straight into it, shall we? This is the adjudication yeah. panel. This is the one that we've been, all been waiting for. It feels like a very long week that I've been waiting to bring this to you. This is from Oliver Leak, Emma Levin, Ben Law, Adam Nathan and many others. This is Paul Hollywood explaining his formative years in baking on the Off Menu podcast.
1: It's like you know that you, you had a, like a, a bit of a eye for or a palate for like this kind of when with, with, with bread especially or baking and going. I can tell that this is not as good as the one I had last time, or you know. I'm Well, my dad was a baker, so mm-hmm. I grew up, you know, in and around bread and my dad baking at home and stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, I, that's my favourite ever one. <laughs> yes, I <was> say.
2: <laughs> tradition, tradition dictates that we have to rank it somehow in the pantheon of, of in and arounds, but not only is it the best, Dave, but I think it's also the most pointless. And also, it didn't feel like it was like instinctive one. It almost felt deliberate. It, it, I don't think that would be on the tip of your tongue when you were talking about that. But no, um, in and around bread.
3: I grew up in and around bread.
2: <laughs> Born in, in bread. <laughs> born in bread. <laughs> oh my I think god! That's what the phrase is when people say born in bread. It's actually born in bread.
1: <sighs> oh. I'm annoyed. Unlike Dave, I had seen this trailed to a few people that had sent that on Twitter. Yeah. I wish I had listened it like Dave's just done there. Um, cold. I mean, it is it's incredible. It's also because it, the the more nonsensical, obviously, the better. Yeah, we, we've spoke about there are some geographical ones, etc., that do actually sort of make some sense. That is absolutely superlative. <laughs>
3: <sighs> Growing up around bread, yeah, fine. <laughs> Even then. Lots, lots of bread around. Just lots of bread <laughs> lying around. It was bread everywhere? Uh, yeah, around. in and around.
2: Just didn't need it. Didn't need it, you know. And you know the the kind of um, permanent golden rule of, of football cliches. These these phrases that we use because we know that everyone will know what they mean and they kind of fit this vague function. Didn't. It just didn't. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't need it. And uh, that's why it was so glorious. Next up. <laughs> You may have heard by now that the International Football Association Board, IFAB, football's lawmakers, I'm obliged to describe them as in the second (laughs) mention, um, says that artificial intelligence-driven, semi-automated VAR offside technology is on course to be implemented for this year's World Cup in Qatar. Well, there was obviously an arms race amongst broadcasters to get some experts on to talk about this. (laughs) And uh, Peter Walton was on Five Live the other day. To kind of, almost in a kind of role, Charlie, to allay fears that people might have about mm-hmm. this dystopian sort of Terminator-style future. Uh, the whole conversation with Rick Edwards starts brilliantly, ends brilliantly, and I just feel really bad for Peter Walton at the end of it.
1: The disappointing thing is that, from what you're saying to me, there are not going to be uh, robot linesmen um, uh, running up and down the side of the pitch. No,
2: no, no we won't. No. We won't see D two R two or whatever his name is running up and down. <laughs> yeah, uh...
1: D two R two is close enough. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but what we will see are guys probably with a little bit more confidence in their decision-making, knowing that it's been backed up by you know um uh, in-
1: intelligence from uh from you know outer space uh, but no poc3 uh refereeing no, in, in the middle uh, yeah, that's annoying un- 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 unfortunately you won't see me
2: putting on a shiny armored uniform or something it'll still be in the black <laughs> it will still be boring we'll still have a whistle in our hand and we'll still give decisions but um i'm sure that there'll be some chance from the the terracing
1: to do with a robocop come out in <laughs> uh, early november
2: poor peter walton charlie he just, he just feels so bullied. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'm not a huge fan. Like that one there felt a little bit sneery towards uh, towards Walton, <laughs> which obviously we all do that, but at least create the veneer that we're not <laughs> just sort of kicking this poor man, who, as you say, is wheeled out just to be a punch bag for Rio and other former players.
2: He is a little bit, Dave, because I mean, he seems to be increasingly an outlier amongst sort of post-retirement referees, where the other ones are kind of appear on Sky Sports News or whatever or, or sort of talking heads on something as, as quite officious figures still, still quite figures of authority to give you the the real lowdown on a certain situation. He just feels, I don't know, I don't want to use the word wimpy. I just feel like he's actually <laughs> buying into it now. He, he bought into it there. He's, he's, I think he's finding his role and he's aware of it now.
3: I, I wonder that because it must be hard not to be aware of his general, the general opinion of him, which is seemingly increasingly lower and lower. And I think <laughs> it, it sort of gets to a point where he isn't as bad as... Everyone says like, uh, yeah, yeah, OK, he, he's not. Agreed. He wasn't wasn't the most dynamic. The Michael Owen effect. Present. I was just going to say, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. what I'm yeah. throwing.
2: We're not exactly. allowed to criticize Michael Owen. I think we've we've all decided that now. Oh, yeah, but
3: you can do it in he in, in, can do it in a, in a constructive manner. Sure. Peter Walton isn't the most dynamic broadcaster in the world. By his own admission, he does. He's there to do a job and he does it to the best of his ability.
2: I want Walton on Hala Dicks now. Not not to sort of put my yeah. arm around him. Charlie, just to kind of, I'm now interested in what he's got to say about football all of a sudden, even if it is out of sympathy.
1: Yeah, I would be quite curious with Walton and indeed any referee as to what the sort of things are that really excite them and interest them about football. Hmm. Would it just be certain laws that they feel very passionately about and really enjoy, or would it be totally outside of that? You know, would they be actually, you know, it's not just the laws that I get a kick out of. Maybe Walton is a big lover of Paolo Maldini.
2: The only other case study we've got for this, Dave, is uh, the Instagram account, the newly created Instagram account of Mike Dean, who appears to be on the longest expats' holiday trip of all time it's just it's an endless stream of pints of beer really really sort of alluring looking pints of beer and and various european foods he's having a great time
3: yeah it's absolutely spot on isn't it for what you'd expect him to be doing he had a posted a picture of a bucket hat with watermelons on Mm-hmm. which uh, I can see him wearing looks like he's just playing golf I think he yep. went to some rugby
2: so he's having a great time loving his life and why not indeed let's uh, depart from football for a moment this is from Oliver Howley David Stout Alexander Ward et al because uh, Phil Tufnell was on BBC Radio 5 live at the cricket talking about Joe Root prime Joe Root
1: to use the to use the football uh, analogies like a playing like a Rolls Royce See. Yes, that's what I say about centre halves when they just sort of, you know, cruise around. Right. Hoovering up everything. It's like a Rolls Royce right, out there. A
3: well-oiled one. Yeah. Just out of service.
2: Nicely deployed, Dave, and nicely explained too. He got it bang on. Mm. A rare thing.
3: I'm not sure about the hoovering up
1: bit, but I think the rest of it works for me.
2: Snuffling danger.
1: Yeah, I sort of see what he means. It's not it's not, it's not totally correct with the car Point either, but um, yeah, I think you can see what he's getting at.
2: Are we happy with it in a a cricket context, Charlie? I think it's probably okay because a batsman needs rhythm; they need to purr, and there's an element of power involved and poise.
3: Yeah, their running style between the between the wickets, (laughs) (laughs) smooth running style.
2: Yeah, (laughs) maybe. I mean,
1: I think it probably does work quite well because yeah, as you, it it does feel like that you sort of build up and then you're in almost in cruise control.
2: I think the only thing that counts against it and uh I'll, I'll be damned if I get this wrong but but Joe Root seems a little bit weedy for Rolls-Royce territory. He's a particularly Ooh. weedy weedy person. So yeah, like, physically I, mm, and just physically.
3: I think I don't yeah, I don't know enough about cricket to to He's confidently, not a unit, though, is he? confidently proclaim one way or the other but Joe Root's not a unit. Uh, he, no, but in cricket, does it? Because Do- I feel like the big cricketers, like the big lads like Peterson, Flintoff you know any of those guys, like the ones who can just smash it out of the park. They're 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 too big. They're they're not Rolls royce Yeah, I
1: do know what you mean. yeah, 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 yeah. Too bombastic. They're jeeps.
2: Yeah, quite right. Last bit of cricket from me. Uh, this is from Pompey Nobby the other day. Hot on the heels of Jared Bowen taking his hat off to himself, here's England's new Test captain Ben Stokes wrestling with his own humility.
1: With the job, you know, there comes more responsibility and stuff. You know, outside of performing on the pitch and and stuff like that but um, you know I've really enjoyed it and you know just tried to still be myself around the group and not put any more pressure onto myself and you know because you know I don't mean to be blowing smoke up my own trumpet but like I've always felt that I've been someone that the lads have sort of looked to and
2: blowing smoke up his own trumpet Dave
1: (laughs) not a good idea on any level (laughs) Really. (laughs) (laughs) I I think what happens there is he thinks he's going to say most on my ass then thinks is that an okay thing to say on the BBC? I'm going to have to quickly pivot away from this, but it's too late and, and sort of ends up mangling the two.
2: Yeah, but um, I will give it some credit, Charlie. I mean, we know what he means, so that's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Successful but... collision of cliches. The um, the yeah. phrase,
3: thinking about it, like not not want to blow my own trumpet. Whose trumpet are you blowing?
1: Well, it's, it's in... It's interesting in in Blackadder. There's a line when, um, yeah, uh, Hugh Laurie's character says, "Didn't want to blow my own trumpet," and Rowan Atkinson's Blackadder says, I'd, "Well, could have told us you had a trumpet." Mm. So I think the so that the um, sort of dissembling of that cliche has has some history. But yeah, I think mm. the idea is that you're, you're yeah, you, it's very much your own trumpet, trumpet.
2: If you've got a trumpet, play it. I
3: say.
1: Yeah,
2: it's mm. a good point. It's been flying under the radar all this time, that cliche, but yeah, who else is going to blow your trumpet?
1: Is, is, it, is it linked to the idea of kind of pomp and circumstances and entering with fanfare? So it's mm. as if you're going like, here I am. Yeah. You know, it's one thing for others to be trumpeting your arrival. I want to play my
2: own fanfare.
1: Yeah. Exactly, but for you to do that feels a bit much.
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe, but delightful. Nonetheless, whatever the history behind it. Nice straightforward one up next. This is from Jamie Harris, who was there to watch the Killers play Caro Road the other night. Wow. <laughs> Brandon Flowers really, really knew how to play the crowd.
3: I actually didn't see that coming. I was trying to think, <laughs> what's he what going to say? You think it was gonna be? I think some canaries thing, or uh, I don't know. I thought he was going to change the lyrics of the song or something. Song
2: about Darren Huckabee or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, now a nice, I think it's a nice touch, Charlie. It's a cl- not a classy touch, but it is a nice touch. I mean, I, I find it odd that the killers playing Carroll Road. It seems like a strange combination, mm. but um, it's the age old thing that we talk about on this podcast. He's not giving it a hundred percent there, is he? Mm. He's not really committed to it.
1: I wonder if he's slightly doubting whoever told him to do it, because yeah. whoever told him would mm. be like, "No, no, trust me, but this will go down really well." And he's thinking, um, "Am I being sort of wound Brandon, up here? Like, is this actually man, a thing?" She fucking owns this town, man. Don't do has it. Has
3: <laughs> he seen? Has he seen the clip? Did Did the person who told him to say it show him the clip, or this is, did this he, he is explain it to him? He hasn't yeah. watched it.
2: He hasn't watched it. He, oh, hasn't, well, he hasn't got the. He hasn't got the any, he's got the rhythm right, the delivery, the tone, nothing,
1: nothing. Or I reckon nothing. What I reckon might have happened is, you know, when you show someone a clip and you sort of get the sense they're not that invested in it or finding it that funny. I think he will have been shown it, but very much didn't give it his full attention and was kind of like, I don't really get this out of context. I'll sort of, I'll laugh along and say, oh yeah, no, that is weird. But I don't, I don't think he fully took it in, took in the majesty of that moment.
2: Yeah, I wonder if he gave it, I mean, the more traditional, Dave, one at the start of great to be here in Norwich.
3: On the Uh, ball city. Should have done a rousing rendition of that at the start.
2: Yeah, banging on about Jeremy Goss. That would have been good. That would have been (laughs) been genuinely classy, actually. I would love to have hit. That would have been more impressive, for me at least. Uh, Jack Pitbrook on England duty for the Athletic at Molyneux. The other night. Um, a dreadful game against Italy, no no question. His This was his summary on Twitter. And with two points from three games, England need to win here against Hungary on Tuesday night to defend their Nations League Group A ranking. Southgate won't want to be the first ever England manager to take them down to Nations League B. The shame of it. This uh, this piqued my uh, relegation-themed Nations League curiosity once again, Dave. The idea that relegation threatened England is just so good. I love Domestic concepts being applied to international football. I'll never get over it. The novelty is never going to wear off, despite what I said the other day. Three so how many left. go
3: down? One One goes down? Yeah, right. So there's no... Yeah, because you can't really talk, talk about the bottom... We're in the bottom one.
2: We're in danger We're of just... dropping into the bottom one. I mean, how far do we go with this, Charlie? I mean, there are three games left to play in the Nations League. Can we call England Basement Boys? Oh, it
3: would be great <laughs>
2: if we could... Is this the run-in? You really don't want to be bottom in June. If
3: you're bottom, no you're teams bottom, ever survive bottom
1: in June.
2: Well, the thing is with the Nations League, teams do tend to get sucked in. Someone will get mm. sucked into the relegation. Someone's going to
1: sleepwalk towards relegation. <laughs> don't want, we just don't want that to be England.
2: England <laughs> have been sleepwalking towards relegation. You Twitter know what
1: Dave. it's
3: like down there in in Nations League B. <laughs> it's so, it's, you can really, it's so it's a tough such a tough it's league, league to get out. of. Anyone
2: can beat anyone. <laughs> this is great, um, Dave. Someone asked on Twitter if if England are rooted to the bottom of nations, League A, Group Three. And the concept of being rooted to the bottom of a division is a very complex thing. Surprisingly complex concept. I think you have to I don't think you necessarily have to be adrift. I don't think it's a mathematical thing. I just think you have to have been there for a certain amount of time and just be in terrible form. So it's a combination of of time and desolation, I think. But I don't think you necessarily have to be, you know, Way adrift of everybody else.
3: No, well that probably helps, but yeah, I think you're right. I think time spent occupying the position mm. is, is is key. Yeah,
2: yeah. As, as the what word is... suggests, Charlie. It takes time for roots to exactly. grow. Exactly,
1: and it it sounds if you you know you've set up roots there. It's like when you you know you you know an area very well. You've lived there with your family for ten years. We have roots here, and I suppose it's a similar sort of thing. You know, you are you have, you have set up roots in and around the relegations. There.
3: Oh yeah, we're living out in the um, in the drop zone
1: now.
2: Actually, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <It's> really
1: nice. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you get more for your money down Good there. Good schools. So. It's only like thirty five minutes to Waterloo. <laughs> like it's really yeah really.
2: <laughs> I I don't know I I'm part of me wants to believe Dave that rooted could be a relative term like England have England have played 3 games already and they find themselves in this position they're halfway there halfway through the season if you like are they
3: rooted I mean I I realise this is the the entire point of this whole discussion, but it is stretching it a little bit to to call England rooted in such a short-lived group. But have we been bottom of the... I mean, you know, you may be surprised to to hear that I haven't been paying extraordinary amounts of attention to the uh, ups and downs of Group A3. Have we been rooted to the bottom the whole time? Well, we lost our
1: first game, didn't we? So, isn't that right? Didn't we lose to Hungary. And Italy so. and Germany drew,
2: so we've been bottom yeah. the whole time. Right, from, okay, yeah,
1: fine. We haven't spent a single match day out of the relegation. Well and truly. So rooted. Spent
2: the entire first half of the Nations League season rooted to the bottom of Group 3 yeah. of League A. Basement boys, basement boys. Uh, next up, Bearded Caviar, asks Charlie. John Stones was described as taking charge against Germany when confidently clearing up a German attack. What does the defender have to do to take charge? Can attackers do it? I don't think they can.
1: No, I think of that as taking charge of a defender is when a uh, crosses come in saying the goalkeeper is sort of motioning to do it, but the defender just says, I'm taking charge here and he'll clear it or he'll head it out. And there might then be a bit of a discussion between goalkeeper and defender. He's, for me, he's done the right thing there. As a defender, you have to take charge. Yeah. You c- you can't be relying on, on your goalkeeper coming out there.
2: Yeah, bang on, Dave. I Much as Charlie says, I, I kind of associate this with a scenario where if someone doesn't take charge it'll only end up in a defensive mix up
3: yes often between goalkeeper and defender when they both think you Can know goalkeepers take it. charge then I think so if, if let's say there's a big long ball over the top that hasn't been headed away first time and you're running back towards your own goal with a with a striker in yeah. tow and you think maybe you think that the keeper's going to get it or or vice versa and there's a mix up if the keeper just clears out everyone yeah, going exactly. to say.
1: I was going to say, that's, what it's <laughs> that's like. when it doesn't happen, you'll know. It'll be like, for me, as a goalkeeper, you've just got to come out. You don't worry about who you hit in yeah. that situation. You've got yeah. to come out, take charge. You might hit your own player. You get between you and the ball.
2: So in that scenario, Charlie, where the ball is over the top and there's a decision to be made between defender or goalkeeper, is it disproportionately always the goalkeeper who has to take charge? Because they're facing the play, right? The, goalkeeper, the defender's sort of essentially running back towards his own goal. He shouldn't be having to take charge. Surely it's the goalkeeper every time. That's what the purists I, would say. Proper yes. football man would say goalkeeper.
1: And I think that's why it's then remarkable if it is the defender taking charge and why you might single him out for doing so. Because I think, yes, the default and the norm is that the keeper should be taking charge of the situation. Because also, they, in a way, they should be the more vocal one. and Just screaming at the defender to get out of the way or whatever it is.
2: And, of course, if you factor in the end result of taking charge in this situation Dave. If the goalkeeper takes charge, more likely the ball's going to be hoofed upfield to safety. If the defender mm. takes charge, it's usually a kind of get it to safety out for a throw in. No one likes that. So when a mm. defender does that, there's always there is as Charlie says this kind of conversation between goalkeeper and defender where it's usually a bit like why oh, you could you, could, you, you should me you should shout it. Exactly. So uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's it's pure goalkeeper in that situation. But yeah, bearded caviar only Defenders slash goalkeepers can take charge, uh, and but Dave, nowhere else on the field does it apply, right? Um, a free kick, but that's pulling rank.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's pulling mm-hmm. rank. It's not the same. Nothing obvious
2: springing to mind. There's an imperiousness I'm- about it. Charlie, I think I, I don't know. I think I think that scenario is the ultimate one. I can't think I, of any others. It's, been, it's like a response to, to
3: taking charge. Suggests that there is a need for someone to to clear to come in and decisively clean up yeah. a messy situation. Yeah, and there isn't. That's not. That doesn't apply at the other end of the pitch, does it? There's nothing to be cleaned up. You're you're on the front foot.
1: You you might have it in a sort of which they don't exist anymore. But in those kind of short highlights on of match of the day, it might be like. But after sixty five minutes. Darren Huckabee took charge. Yeah. And 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 you know, and, and he's or, or or actually not Darren Huckabee, that's not a good example, but a, a, an attacking midfielder, I'm thinking you know, Stephen Gerrard. Or, or maybe that's but then yeah, that's, that's scruff of the neck territory, or, isn't it? It is scruff of the neck, or it's actually maybe took over. I think teams, know, they, take they over. teams take charge. Teams yeah. take charge of games. Maybe. So rather yeah. than individual teams players. Take, yeah, I think that's yeah. right.
2: Neck based scruff taking uh, is a moment. Rather than than a period of game. And you can't take charge of the ball, can you, Dave? Because all you can do is bring it under your spell, which is much cooler anyway. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Happy with that. Good. Uh, Surprisingly lengthy discussion, that one. Uh, Listener Charlie asks, Dave, the commentator for Switzerland versus Portugal, Describes Switzerland's opener as the fastest goal in Nations League history. <laughs> Is two and a half iterations of a tournament enough to use in competition X history? I think so. You've got to start yeah, somewhere.
3: One hundred percent. You know, last week I was poo-pooing the use of history when oh, um yes. when used with Wales. But um this on this occasion, I think it's yeah, absolutely fine. It's the competition. It's got its own records from the from the first minute of, 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 of the Nations League when a ball was kicked, you you're in the record books from there on in, aren't you?
2: I think Charlie, I think a, I think a reasonable cut-off point is once you've got two under your belt, the third one can be where you can start making history, in in minor ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it's funny to think of if in like the nineteen thirty-eight World Cup or something, you know. Well, I think (laughs) there's an important difference. (laughs) Were they (laughs) talking in these terms?
3: I think it's a very important difference, and this directly goes back to what I was saying last week. Making history is different to doing the fastest something in history. I think.
2: Yeah, making history is a narrative thing. I completely Mm. agree. Um, I yeah, always used yeah. to find There's it no funny. There's
1: no making history here. But I, I remember when I was a lot younger, when they talk about in the history books, I always thought, but the thing is, everything's kind of in the history books. You know, everything <laughs> goes into like the Rothmans yearbook, you know, even just it's the true. fixtures from that season will be in the history books. Like it's a bit of a, when you actually, you know, take it literally. Mm. The, the other, I mean, I thought, I liked Coxie's breakdown recently on, he was sort of calling out one of these... Real Madrid winger Vinicius Jr. was directly involved in ten goals in the Champions League. The last South American player to be directly involved in ten plus in single campaign in this competition, while under twenty-one Under the
2: age of twenty-three. Yeah.
1: So he that's involved three parts of rubbish. Ten goal involvement's fine. Then you then you Completely can have agree. age or nationality. You can't have both. It's too convoluted to be interesting. I think I think that's a good a good rule of thumb.
2: That's the content machine for you, Charlie. You've got to find an angle.
1: I suppose you do. You've got to find an angle.
2: Much like we do. Because when there's not enough football, we have to go to things like baseball. This is from the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, thirteen-one hammering at home to Arizona. I, I assume thirteen-one sounds to me like a hammering in any context in baseball. Maybe there's maybe it was a maybe it's not that big a deal, but it seems to me. I think that is some, pretty big. I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, ending a nine-game winning streak, no less. On commentary over on NBC, I believe, was uh, Tom McCarthy and John Cruck, and. Uh, and they spotted someone in the crowd eating a 212 gram bag of crisps i've done my research on this one Ooh. and uh, they just wouldn't let it go they would not let this go
0: <laughs> wow, that's a big bag of chips back there huh
1: the cape gods
0: do they sell them here
1: the foot of Herrera. I, you know that's a good question. I don't know that.
0: Like a big bag like that? What's that cost at a ballpark? Like 180 dollars? It is a big bag of chips. Picnic in the park, baby. It's a big bag of chips. That is a big bag of chips. I'm sure, that'll
1: be shares with everybody.
0: <laughs> it's like the family size. Look <laughs> at that. Look at that.
1: out to Ther- the glove of Rojas. I don't know if he would have got no double anyway. It would have been close. No clapping. We got too many chips to oh, get to. You can
0: afford to drop a few of those. You got plenty left.
1: Ooh. I mean, it's a big bag. So it's
0: if you're going to really see anything, bag, yeah. you're going to see that bag. Uh oh. Someone must be telling him.
2: <laughs> oh, someone told him. Crisp yeah. shaming.
1: <laughs> How'd
0: they sneak that in?
1: Uh, that's a good question. We're gonna to have to ask them.
2: Good stuff, I think.
3: I mean, it's... for our listeners that can't see that clip, it's hard I to ever all of them. How big? <laughs> yeah. Um, how big that? I mean, that it was, it was like the size of like I'd I'd say, it looks to me like the size of like a standard pillow. <laughs> like a kids' school bag full of crisps.
2: Yeah, two hundred and twelve gram bag of crisps, seven and a half ounces.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're talking about America as well, where, you know, you, they're used to big portion sizes. Their portion sizes are a lot bigger mm. than ours, generally, and so you, their surprise speaks volumes.
3: So your standard bag of walkers is 32 and a half grams. So
1: that's 10 times, ty- almost 10 times. Incredible. Hold up. Wait, didn't you say, wait, didn't you say it's 212? <laughs> yes. Well, I've slightly... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like
2: one of you go, actually, about half an hour ago I said that <laughs> can you take that, yeah, that... out
1: <laughs> I don't want to be math shame no I think that's within <laughs> within the realms of journalism maths that's close enough <laughs> almost 10 times as many
2: I, I just really enjoyed the um the sort of gentle rhythm of it Dave they just they wouldn't let it go but they dealt with it in a nice um, inoffensive almost affectionate way
3: yeah not not a regular watcher of of, of baseball but it strikes me uh the, from the few games that I've attended and seen there's there's a there's a there's a, there's a a similar nature to it to cricket right it takes mm-hmm. a long time that's a good point. the game ebbs and flows there's nine innings or whatever it takes a few good few hours this is probably this is like TMS it's like blowers talking about cakes on and pigeons on TMS I suppose
2: isn't it maybe the nature of the sport Charlie perhaps that's the that's the boring explanation for why for better or worse you don't see Martin Tyler and Alan Smith sort of talking mm. about what someone's eating in the crowd on a super Sunday that'd be quite that'd be quite good bit of a human human thing,
1: food. But it's a shame for that guy that the way that the world works, that's so, there's not even, you think that's kind of a sanctuary, isn't it? That, you know, you'd then get home to a number of messages or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. The fact that in real real time he's being told and and puts it away that he's become... Could be worse
2: to come because you're not actually supposed to bring your own food. Because they say that, don't they? They
1: (laughs) (laughs) Into the dome. Uh, They say, how did he get that through? (laughs) Suggesting that that does require some sort of skill.
0: courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
2: This episode is
0: supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Oh, look at
2: that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. One listener writes in, says Liverpool's incoming £85 million man, Darwin Nunez. And now listeners forget what I said about him never actually moving to the Premier League. (laughs) Uh, The listener says, (laughs) is he a statement of intent? What are the criteria for a statement of intent? Now, Charlie, I think this is quite a flexible concept. You could be a team trying to bounce back from a disappointing season. You could be a team in the middle of a rebuild of some sort. You could be trying to build upon something good that you did last season. Mm. It can be anything. I think a statement of intent is a is a very open thing. It's open to anybody.
1: I think of it in a sort of title chasing capacity mainly. And that okay. can be and an often Yeah, I remember you know, Fergie's United, they'd have just won a league and yet still they yeah. were signing this really big player and that felt like a statement of intent. Or it can be the the challenger. But I do think of it mainly in, in those two ways, going for a title. I'm not sure this is a statement oh, of intent. Okay. because The reason is because they're losing a player in Sadio Mane. Mm-hmm. So it feels a little bit more just like a this is a very sensible evolution of the team that you're losing one superstar so you bring another. I, I, I say it's in the realms of they've done their work early. And, you know, credit to the amazing recruitment team at Liverpool. What a job they've done, by the way. Uh, I'm not sure it's quite in statement of intent territory. I'd say Harland is a statement of intent.
2: Yeah, OK, but I think with Nunez, Dave, um, we have to factor in the, the fact that lots of other clubs wanted him. Lots of other clubs who needed a striker were sniffing around. So Liverpool got him. That adds to the statement of intent. And they've broken their club transfer record as well, which I think is a huge part of statements of intent.
3: And they've done it early.
2: Yeah,
3: thirteenth of June. Yeah, you, you know? couldn't
2: do a statement of intent on the last day of the transfer window, could you?
3: I don't think so. No, mm. unless unless it was um, a coup. Or, or, you know, unless you had like a late takeover. You know, if Newcastle or Manchester was Man- was Rabiot a statement of intent for Manchester City in two thousand eight? Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, mm, yeah. Maybe it okay. was a bit of a a trophy
1: signing, perhaps. But yeah. um, a tro- mad trolley dash as well. That one. <laughs> trolley dash excellent
2: no I think I'm I'm sticking up for Liverpool here I think it is a statement of intent I'm bearing more in mind Charlie need to close but I think he's
3: um, the thing about he the player the quality of the he, he, mm. might, he may go on to be a brilliant player of Liverpool the recent history suggests that he will do but um he's not as you suggested recently Adam when, when we first mentioned his name on the podcast he's not exactly a household name if they were to sign Robert Lewandowski yeah I think, you know, top level, top level player, then I think that's a, they're not messing around anymore. That's a statement of intent. They want to win this title. Uh,
1: yeah, I agree. I don't think Darwin Nunez is quite that level. Like even Liverpool two years ago, they've just won the league. They signed Thiago. That to me is more of a statement of intent. Oh, okay. A kind of proven winner, big name player. Hmm. I don't think Nunez is quite that level yet.
2: What about Lukaku a year ago for Chelsea? Was that a statement of intent? I think Tell it was. Like it was because that because yeah. it was mixed mm. with last piece of the jigsaw as well which yeah. is, I think they two go roughly hand in hand.
1: Yeah, I think you've just won the Champions League and then you spend around 100 million on this superstar striker. Not yeah, done yet. That, that's what they're saying. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And that I also, also would extend it to also uh, it it
3: all went sour pretty quickly, but that first game that Lukaku played against Arsenal mm. at the Emirates, that it was a statement of intent performance. Yeah. From him and them.
2: Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, you can have... Yeah, oh, That's just a good point, actually. Yeah, It isn't just about signings, is it, Dave? You can have... Performances can be statements of intent. You can lay down a 3-0 win unexpectedly mm. at the start of the season. That becomes a statement of intent, especially if you're a title challenger.
1: Th- those games are often billed as a test of their their title credentials. And Boy, and did they answer them. Exactly, yeah. with a statement of intent. This
2: is very Premier League years, actually. It is. Yeah, it is. is I don't good. think
1: you hear about credit- test of credentials so much anymore. That feels more about... Yeah, a team's trip to Newcastle in the late 90s or something, but if, or if Leeds.
2: If anyone listening has got the time on their hands and a spreadsheet handy, uh, please let us know how many times Georgie Thompson says the word statement of intent across uh, 20 episodes or so of Premier League years. would love to know. Important question from Stephen Gray next. He says, oh, I would like an opinion on the phrase, will feel like a new signing relating to an injured player coming back into the team, usually at the beginning of a season, after a long time on the sidelines. How long does player X need to be out to qualify? How long does the player need to have been at the club before they fall into or out of this category? And does the return from injury need to lie within a transfer window? Lots of things going on here, Dave. I would say three months out minimum. And that's before we even start to speculate when in the year this injury slash return is happening. So I think it's got to be a long-term injury, which is three months or more.
3: I think it does slightly depend on the player and the importance of that player.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, But, but uh, like Watford's example last season was Ismail Asar got injured in November, was out with a serious knee injury and didn't come back to play until February for that Watford. and it right. And it, and it, it sort of... Yeah, there was a few comments of like, he feels like, a, I mean, he feels like a new signing. It is like a new signing. And it kind of kind of did feel like that, definitely. His absence was felt that keenly.
2: That's quite a tidy example, actually, Charlie, because if if you get injured before Christmas or injured for long enough and then you return after Christmas, that's that's very new signing And also, I, I would disagree with Dave's point that it has to be a player of some sort of stature within the team, because I think a player can come back and add depth to a squad and give you options, and that still is like a new signing. It's, it's, it's just a more a... just a
1: more low key new signing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
2: He's come back yeah, and still I mean, a new signing for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean like s Ollie Skip, Stonewall won for Spurs at the start of this season. He's been out since January, he was having a really good season. That feels squarely in like a new se- like a new signing.
3: You want to be excited by new signings. And Oliver Skip might maybe he's a hero to the Spurs fans, but to C3, me he feels oddly to me he feels like Someone that if you signed Oliver Skip, no, nobody would be jumping for
1: joy. Well, that's oh, an that's an interesting distinction. I mean, and, and you are going to get R.I.P. your mentions, as, uh, <laughs> as the as the kids say. Well, they um, have been coming for me lately, actually. now yeah, really? I got
3: taken out of context last week in an attempt, in an attempt, in, in a failed attempt to set the Brentford fans on me. Didn't, they didn't really? come for me in
1: the end. Yeah, it, it,
3: was, it was
2: a textbook misquoting. Well, weren't happy. There, there was no controversy, not at all.
1: Yes, I, I, I know, I see what you're saying, but that's quite an interesting thing anyway with what people, you know, academy products, academy graduates and new signings are, you're sort of looking for different things maybe.
2: Well, I think we've gotten some way to answering that from Stephen Gray. On similar lines, Ellis writes in Charlie, and says, saw an article about Vincent Company to Burnley and how he'd raid his former club, Manchester City. The article listed one player who'd want to get on loan. <laughs> Surely that doesn't count as a raid. But then I think, how many teams sign two or more players from one team at once anyway? Um, really wrestling with it there, Ellis. But, um, but it's, it's not a raid, is it? And especially if it's just on loan. I mean, if anything, they're just doing him a favour, aren't they?
1: Yes. I mean, clear, clearly that's not a raid. I mean, it's done right with Manchester that...
2: City's consent. There's not a raid.
1: Yeah. You're never going to sign loads of players. But at least for a raid, you need a couple and you need to be linked with quite a few. So it's clear... Because I don't think it reflects... I never think it reflects brilliantly on a new manager or a director of football or whoever yeah. if their transfer vision seems to just be calling up their old club and Good saying, point. can I have some of your players? It can work well. Spurs with Peratici, Kulisewski and mm. Um But yeah, I, I mean... I think it might even need to... In one window... I think even if you signed... If there were a couple of players that you signed, having been linked with four or five... That would just about meet the threshold for a raid, because because it can be a planning to raid old club.
2: Oh yeah, exactly. and I think it's if, very
1: much in hypothesis as well. Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. Yeah. So if you end up doing that, I think that it it would have been fair to say they were planning a raid on their old club.
3: I think I, I remember it being used. To, sorry to give another Watford example. Sure. But I, me- I remember it being used when Malky Mackay left Watford to, to be the Cardiff manager, probably about sort of twelve years ago now. And I think he took. I think he did take two players, but was linked with about three or four. And mm. there was also like the backroom staff thing as well.
2: Oh yeah, you can raid for your staff definitely. Mm. Yeah, I think mm. that that's part of it. Um, I think what Ellis misunderstands here is I don't think you have to buy. You don't have to sign all these players in one fell swoop. Like mm. You could get them in tranches. You could keep nicking one every now and then, and then altogether, as long as it's within the same window, I think it's still a raid. I think the window, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. definitely
1: within the same window, yeah. It
2: can't be within multiple windows. That's not a raid. You have to do... <laughs> There's a deadline. There's a deadline for raids.
3: But the idea of Vincent Company raiding Manchester City <laughs> for Burnley in the Championship is
1: sensational, is thing. pitching up at Burnley. <laughs> yeah. Grealish. Like, oh.
2: Do sort of agree that raiding has to be upwards, really, doesn't it? taking Absolutely players from a smaller in, pond to a bigger pond. In, yes. in the only
1: way you could raid a club that was finishing above you would be if you if Newcastle suddenly had a loads if a club like Newcastle suddenly has a cash injection and it might be then they were looking to raid. Yeah, bang on. a, a, a bigger club. But otherwise yeah, you, yeah. you, you a, just can't be With doing a heist. It
2: transfer yes very good Um, absolutely right bang on there Jake Spencer wins this week's just gets the football cliches podcast award he asks is Stuart Armstrong the most tidy footwork from the midfielder but a weak effort at the end of it footballer in the Premier League (laughs) so many images so many images in my head were conjured by this wonderful observation Uh, I have to say I've got no opinion either way on Stuart Armstrong in this context but, it, but so many other names cropped up. Charlie, um, an instant reply from AFC PDF said, Alex Iwobi. I can mm, see that. Chat. Um, yeah. Let me get this right. Before we go into any more names, the scenario I'm thinking of is cutting in from the left or right, but mostly the left, and sort of shaping for a bombastic shot, but basically just sort of dragging it limply wide. Mm. Or oh, into the keeper's arms. You think that's Okay.
1: Yeah, that's that's how. Like, I I can actually um, I can see in my mind's eye like Stuart Armstrong. A high ball comes over. He does really well to bring it under his spell, almost dummying a first time pass or shot. Manages to bring it down, and then with quick feet shifts it onto his weaker foot and gets a shot away. Gets a shot away that um, sort of is just is a bit of a p-roller straight to the keeper.
2: It's one of these classic scenarios, Dave especially when a when a player cuts in from the wing with I wouldn't I'm not saying that he has oceans of space to work with but when the, the opportunity presents itself the defenders are backing off and it's 25 yards and they and they hit it wide and they you can see that they've just haven't caught it properly and it's sort of dribbled wide you just think how in the warm up you're absolutely spanking those into into, to, into into the top corner and I whilst I'm fully across the idea of practice versus match scenarios. They should be so much better at this.
3: But I, I suppose it's just, it has to just be the mental side of things, right? Yeah. And just, they, they, they're they they're that little bit more hurried.
2: Over aroused, as sporting psychologists would call it. Mm. But sometimes,
3: sometimes you just get things spectacularly wrong. There was a great example of this in the Champions League final when Naby Keita tried, tried an outside of the boot shot. It, it was like an amateur doing it at Sunday League when it comes off the toe, comes oh, off yeah. the inside toe. Mm. So he's, he's got the body shape completely right, but it comes off his big toe and goes off almost at a Ooh. right angle into the into the into the, the, the stand behind the goal.
2: Horrible. Johnny Tight Lips, Charlie. I quite like this one for an all timer suggestion. Alexander Kleb, mm. and he also suggests uh, for current day uh, Trincao or Daniel Podence from Wolves. And I'm not even a Wolves fan. He says so. I can almost, almost trust his opinion more now.
1: Yeah, those are some good ones. Who did I have? There was someone I had in my head after. Wolves are just—they're
3: just the most unimaginable set of players, aren't Here they? Here he
2: goes. Here
3: he goes. <laughs> yeah, they are. though are
1: Fre- fresh from his br- uh, Brentford t- tirade. Right.
3: Just—are you familiar with the intricacies of the game of Trincao, Charlie?
1: No, I, I admit I, <laughs> I would struggle to recognise Trincao Street, which you know my ignorance of that. Markle Brighton is a player I think of in this situation. Yeah. Technically, very sound, so and can play, can sort of play off either foot. Is quite orthodox in the way he plays. Mm. So, I, I just think you know, he's sort of six and a half out of ten in every area. So, I can imagine him doing you know well enough with the jinky element and then uh, a sort of solid effort, but not one that's going to trouble the keeper. Uh,
2: ben Giester suggests Aaron Lennon, which I also quite like because you know, mm. quick feet followed by a sort of snapshot that was a little bit hurried. Um, yeah, I think of him more as suggests, a
1: crop yeah. as sort of. To, you know, running to find space for a cross and then just putting in a not very good cross.
2: But I'm, I'm getting this kind of image now of of tricky but physically unimposing forwards. Just not being maybe. able to get the power behind their shots. Like Eze,
3: Crystal Palace? Maybe. Mm.
2: maybe. He's a, maybe. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's a bit too a bit smooth than for that. that. He's not yeah. so sort of snapshotty. Um, I feel like Joe Cole had this award locked down pretty much every season before he retired. And then... Hmm? He did it at least twice at Soccer Aid on Sunday night. <laughs> and I just thought, and it, it just, it just went perfectly. I, maybe this even inspired the message. Who knows? Stuart Downing? Yeah. He was there as well, maybe, wasn't he? Maybe. Yes. Maybe. Stuart Downing wasn't at Soccer Aid, was he? Yeah,
3: I think he was. He was, this yeah. This year? Yeah. Wow.
2: didn't Wow. Didn't I didn't see him. But, maybe, you know, like all good Soccer Aid performers, it's the ones you don't see. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, history was made on Sunday night at the London Stadium, Dave. Because uh, Kem Setanay drew level with the great Clarence Seydorf as the all-time leading goal scorer in Soccer Aid. I mean, the best thing about this, I mean, it even sounds great, obviously, former Love Iron star Kem Setanay drawing level with the great Clarence Seydorf. If you go <laughs> to the Wikipedia page of Soccer Aid, Scroll all the way down to the bottom. There is a leading goal scorer table. And just to see their names next to each other is the (laughs) essence of Socrates. It's so good. It looks great. He's even got a little Turkish flag next to his name. (laughs) (laughs) But the least important, the least relevant use of a flag surely but still um it's, it's great it's it's so well poised i love the, i love everything about it
3: i was watching on on sunday watch a bit of the first half and then and then tuned back in for the for the latter stages and the penalties my i sort of I've I've I, I really flip and flop over it. Like sometimes mm. I sit there and I'm thinking, yeah, this is great fun, isn't it? Like this is good. Uh, you imagine yourself playing. You say, what yeah. could I do in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. Would I be Would I be mm. better than Mo Gilligan, who looks actually looked pretty poor? You There's think more texture given... to it than people think, isn't yeah. it? Would I Would I Is he actually quite good? And would I Am I just really shit? Yeah, and all that yeah. sort of thing. But then also, I just sometimes you look at, it and think, oh Christ, this is really this is just not good entertainment I can't be bothered with with it all I can't be bothered with the Saki commentary but I mean it's for a good cause so I shouldn't be so cynical no it's but, fine
2: I think if you split yeah. it into its individual elements it's, it's, it's absolutely fine to, for, to talk about them but Charlie as a football game it is shit isn't it, it if you it, uh, purely on a football spectacle level even if you allow for um, sort of low level. It's all happened here. Stuff like mm-hmm. goalkeepers going off injured, etc. It is a crap football game. Like there are there are swaths of time where nothing happens.
1: Football. I've said this many times before, but football as a sport, unless it's played at a really high level, is just quite crap to watch. Often, you know. Even I'm sorry, Dave. Even you know, the lower leagues sometimes can be a bit <laughs> like this for me. Oh, what <laughs> for the of lower leagues? I suppose no Championship's (laughs) not the lower leagues (laughs) (laughs) Is League One lower leagues? It is isn't it
2: League One down is lower leagues and then you're basically non-league which is the same thing
1: That's probably fair but I imagine have they been in your because they dropped down to the third tier didn't they and then came all the way back under Graham Taylor didn't they in 96-97 they were in the third tier Yeah Yeah
3: Didn't they?
1: Yeah Um, They got man of the match by the way (laughs) Yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah, so basically, foot- I don't know. So that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. When you watch as much football as we do, I don't feel you need. You need.
2: I
3: sort of get that. annoyed. What I get annoyed about is, I, I like, I like the players who look good, and I want them to do well. <laughs> yeah, Tom. Grennan, so, so Tom, for Tom, Tom, Grennan. Yeah, Shane Long on to score. Yeah, yeah, really good. And like the guy from Line of Duty was pretty tidy in the middle. That guy from well, TikTok seemed player, to yeah. have a good ball on him. But I, I mean, I was getting really annoyed at Mo Farah. He's so bad. Mm. <laughs> and and it's, he doesn't have any other thing that's not going for him in his favour. It's at least with Usain Bolt. There's that bit of like, oh, he's going to run. Oh, he's going to sprint. Oh, he's going to take on Jamie Carragher in a foot race. Yeah. It's going to be funny. Mm. But Mo Farah can't, like, unless he did a lap of the pitch, his, his, his ability
1: has got no More of a slow burn. Use. <laughs> yeah. you'll, be, you'll be seeing, this will pay off later in the game. He's really yeah. going to come into his own.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um to return to its core appeal though, Lewis writes in and says, does the kid who got Idris Elba to sign his PSG shirt now own one of the top five weirdest bits of football memorabilia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> useless piece of useless souvenir, Dave, surely. Definitely.
3: What are you yeah. gonna do with that?
2: you not going to you can't wear it out as we've already established on this podcast. So what you can't frame it because it's Idris Elba on a won't... PSG shirt. What are yeah. you Yeah.
3: Well, you, Show I mean, it unless he's it depends what his signature's like. If it's like, or if it's an obvious Idris Elba, mm-hmm. or if it's just a squiggle, then he, he could probably pass it off as it's got Idris Idris Idris, Idris Agana Gay might have a similar, similar
2: <laughs> thing to it, possibly. Um, and that that feels like the dark arts of uh of merchandise <laughs> trading yeah. to me, but mm. yes, it, it does have eBay written all over it, Charlie.
1: Yeah, I mean, it might be you know, things are often more valuable because of their rarity. Well, you're not going to find many others of those, are you?
2: absolutely right someone pointed me in the direction of a rather joyless Soccerade observer who shall remain, remain nameless for the purposes of this they tweeted remember when Soccerade was a laugh with celebs and a couple of <laughs> ex-players to raise money for charity have I just seen Chunks win a legit pen and have the ball taken off him the game's gone it's absolutely laughable hashtag Soccerade Soccerade's gone Dave <laughs> the has gone so what does he want he, he he's annoyed that they're taking it too seriously <laughs> Maybe, maybe partly that, or the other implication is that it's got too silly at the same time. So I don't really, I don't really know which way it's gone. But the idea that there's a nostalgia for early Soccer Aid is the best bit about this tweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. so oh, <laughs> it's not like it used to be, is it?
1: The good old days.
2: Mm. I mean, it is at London Stadium, which is crap. Should be Old Trafford, really. That's that's the mm. that's the mm. spiritual home of, of Soccer Aid. Clive Tilsley on Comms, not this year.
1: Sounds but, like you're you're advocating the game's gone.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. Well. In its in its own universe, maybe it has indeed gone. But um Meanwhile, Johnny Sharples writes in and says, Which current footballer is most destined to be a future Soccer Aid International? I mean it's Joe Hart, but who else? Let's get the criteria for this, Charlie. I feel like do we want a crowd pleasing Maverick, Joe Cole, or do we want a kind of dutiful, just about good humoured enough, solid pro? I feel like someone like Gary Cahill could do it and sort of chuckle along with Things that happen, but otherwise put in a 6 out of 10 performance.
1: I mean, I think there are, yeah, there are a lot of different categories. And, and also because there, there are the slightly surprising superstars who play. I mean, Juan Verón, mm. um, looking at that goal scoring list. I mean, Clarence Sadoff, we're talking some genuine A-listers. I, I think as well, jo, Joe Hart, yes. But I would say Ben Foster is eyeing up a spot mm. in that team as well. I think, you know, he's... Yep. Is he the celebrity he, he feels... or the ex player, Dave? Well, exactly. Exactly. Could be either. I just think you need a
3: little bit of distance. I mean Mark Noble maybe was the exception, obviously, mm. this year, playing only a few weeks after he played in the Premier League and and looking very looking <laughs> looking a cut above for most of the game. But I do think you want a bit of distance. Like even someone with David James, like he was in good shape and made some good saves, but he's got that it's you don't want to be unfair. Do you know, like if you go straight from the too many pros that are straight out of the game, straight into Soccer Aid is a bit weird. I could uh, I could see Jack Wilshire playing. He was the one that spr- sprung yeah. to mind for me because he's got that shout. got that sheen, that, that that big club, big name. He's obviously not really played top level football properly consistently for a long time, though, even though he's been playing in Denmark this season. I could see him doing it. I could, And he's just the sort of player that he, he wouldn't need to do much. He just keep it really tidy and just yeah. just just knock it off to the to the place
2: to give everyone a touch all the time. I think he ticks a lot of boxes because I mean on top of all that you can imagine him snapping into a challenge charlie with I don't know some some daytime tv presenter and then sort of chuckling with them as he brings them to their feet while they look mm. like They've just been chopped in half or something.
1: He's also got a present. You know, a lot of these guys are people who have a bit of a media presence anyway, and you and you quite often see Wilshire on TalkSport and others. I mean, Michael Dawson, the uh, he he's kind of fairly recently retired. Do you think the
2: kids would know who he was, though. Maybe
3: not enough. You've got to have a Maybe. bit of that appeal. Is Michael Richards too injured? Good, you'd think he would shout. be bang on, yeah. well, wouldn't he? But is it yeah. just is his bod Maybe he just can't run anymore. Maybe yeah, this just is, who, I don't know.
2: It's a bit like Gary Lineker with Michael Richards. There's just no hint that he plays football at all anymore, and he sort of doesn't yeah. really address it. So he's thinking, okay, great, won't ask. I don't I mean, There's obviously something yeah. terrible going on with your lower body at some point, but I just, I, yeah, must be something. Well, even
3: bad. Roberto Carlos did, did eight minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you mm. can do that, can't you? Before I think legitimately injuring himself, <laughs> he, was, he what I mean, yeah. I do, like, I do like that element of it. Somebody just waddling out, playing eight minutes and then calling for the sub at first available opportunity.
2: <laughs> I think it, it's, it's between Roberto Carlos and Cafu to be the last man standing in the mm. teri- global oh, it's, it's
3: Cafu, context isn't it? Okay.
1: they're a good example of what's of that kind of proper a lister
3: but I think Roberto Carlos and Cafu. see Cafu's obviously clearly in still in reasonable shape and is he the old he's the older of the pair I think slightly? yeah I'd say and so. but I feel like he sort of needs because Roberto Carlos is sort of the more flamboyant sort of you know slightly more favorably remembered player. Spherical. yeah and he's but he's kind of I bet Cafu's like, come on, look, please, I need you. They they said they said they won't have me unless you come as well. <laughs> Just do eight minutes.
2: I'll play ninety. Just come on, then you can go off. Honestly, um it, it in my brain the balance between Cafu, the ex-elite level footballer, and now the bloke who is always smiling in the background of someone else's selfies is mm. has has shifted uncomfortably far to the other side. Um other names for you, Juan Mata. I feel like he could be soccer aid bound. Cause, yeah, cause yeah. Because he's going to look after himself, isn't he? And he's also yeah. he's already charity minded. Ticks the boxes.
1: Exactly. Charity he's minded, got the
2: philanthropy. Com- really, really good command of English. Lovely bloke. Be Lovely. great on. He'd be great on the
3: interviews. He'd do a good post. do a good touch touchline interview with uh, with Alex Scott and Dermot.
2: Yeah, left-footed as well. Then I mean, it's gold dust. So
3: mm. uh, there's one. There's one other thing about soccer aid which I've really enjoyed. Just just thought of it is when you get occasionally you get a pro who comes on. Who sort of takes it a bit too seriously? You can, sort you can see, he can't really hide that they can't really hide their contempt for the for the amateurness around them. And that was Berbatov yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Berbatov came on on Sunday and he kept just going, "Calm down, relax, relax." Mm. He was just
2: doing that motion with his hands all the mm. time, just like you've got time, you've got time. And he looked furious when he came off, which is the rubber stamping of it as yeah. well. It's like, I should have out there making a difference some twat is on mm.
1: <laughs> some love island prick i've never heard of <laughs>
2: um okay so yeah i think that's enough soccer aid chat for one year um we were challenged to do the pure soccer aid 11 but i just drew the <laughs> line because it, it's never gonna be a whole episode charlie we can't do a whole episode on the pure soccer aid 11 can we and uh but it, it deserves enough respect to do it properly but it won't be done here but um i did like this from Botterum. Who wrote in asking for a Soccer Aid predicted lineup of 2026, like how newspapers predict World Cup lineups <laughs> ten years in advance, is the exact content I need over this summer. Well, maybe next summer, Botterum. But that's enough Soccer Aid from us, and that's enough David Walker from us too. Cheers, Dave. Thank you. And enough, Charlie. Bye, Charlie. Bye. And Thank we'll see you. everyone soon. Cheerio.
1: I grew up in and around bread. The Athletic.